going to be hard to calm down and preach when you hear news like that. Amen? You know, I think back to uh, just when I was younger, I, I went, I was a college student, and my roommate asked me to go to this, this church, all right? And so I showed up, and it's this blue building that, that literally it looks like it's the place where drug deals go down, all right? So it's this blue kind of creepy building, and, uh, and I go into this service, and, and there's only probably a hundred, couple hundred of us, and this, this preacher gets up there by the name of Brandon, and man, he was fired up, and he is just letting it roll up there. And I'm like, man, this guy is like on something. And anyway, uh, to look back then and to see how God has poured out his grace and favor on this church is nothing short of incredible. And so I, I want to tell you something is uh, that right there is not a celebration for Connection Church. That's a celebration for the kingdom of God. Amen. Because one thing I can tell you about Michael Page is he's going to go preach the gospel and he's going to make disciples. And uh, I'm excited for that and excited that, uh, that God has allowed us to plant our fifth campus. And, and we're just so excited for what's going to happen. And so, you know, to go back and to look at that blue building and to now we get to preach the gospel to something somewhere around 2,000 to 2,500 people on a weekend is just simply incredible. And, you know, if you've been with us for a while or maybe you're just getting plugged in, uh, just look at what all God's done in the first nine years. I can't help but get excited about the next nine years. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great journey. So my name's Buck. I get to serve here as the campus pastor. Uh, if you've never been before, uh, I just want to say a special welcome to you. Uh, our mission statement is to connect people to a growing relationship with Christ. And just like Michael talked about, that's really what we do. And so when that happens, we have to stop and celebrate. And so I got to brag on our student ministry. Brittany and the crowd is killing it. We saw two students say they wanted to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior this past Wednesday. Come on, let's celebrate. And, and if you get the chance, and uh, if, if you're around on a Wednesday, we meet here at 6.30. We usually start service about 7.15, 7.30. You should come see what it looks like here and to see the students that are coming, man. And it's just, it'll blow you away to see uh, just the students we're getting to reach and those that, that maybe never would have if we hadn't come here. And so it's really exciting. Okay, so today, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to be here for like a blink and then we're going to go somewhere where God has told me to go, okay? So I want to share a little bit of advice uh, for you and with you. Um, you can really sum up Christianity into this statement, okay? It's to listen to God and do what he says, right? And so you, you'll, you'll kind of learn this. As, uh, if I could boil Christianity down, that's what I would say it is. is when God begins to tell you to do something, man, just do it and get to experience his favor and power, all right? And so we're going to be here for a blink, and then I'm going to go where I feel like God has told me to go this Sunday. Um, so we're in week three of a series that we've uh, titled A Better Story. And like we talked about in the announcements, this comes straight from our senior pastor, Brandon Williams, who has had bouts with depression and, and identity, and, and he really wrote a book to, to talk through how God really has led him out of that season and how God continues to help him with his ongoing struggles with identity and, and depression. It's just an incredible book, and those are available at the Next Steps table. And uh, in week three today, we're going to be talking about a topic that I believe everyone can kind of zoom in for a minute and understand how many of you have ever felt a season in your life where you feel stuck, Right? where you feel like, man, I am just in a bad spot, you know? I, th I think about, uh, oh, Brother out there. he says, dang, I'm in a tight spot, right? Uh, I, I feel like sometimes I've been through months and years of my life where I just feel stuck 
where I can't come out of this, this thing or this thing I'm struggling with, right? And so today we're going to speak all kinds of truth into those stuck situations. And I'm praying in faith that God is going to set some captives free today and that he'll come speak to us in a powerful way. Y'all on board with that? All right, cool. So let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read verses 3 through 4, and then we're going to move on, okay? So this is what it says. It says, now Israel, also called Jacob, all right, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for all that you've already been doing in this place. God, your presence is so evident. Lord, we say thank you for that. God, I thank you for um, just the salvations this week. Lord, I thank you for, for allowing us to plant cooler. And uh, God, I just pray a special anointing. And God, I pray favor over Michael and the small group. God, that you would use them in a powerful way. And God, that there would be many people come to know Christ through them. And uh, God, I just pray right now that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word. And uh, Lord, maybe there's someone here that just feels stuck. God, I pray that you would free them. And Lord, I pray that my words uh, and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you. God, it wouldn't be nothing about me. Uh, it would be all your word and God, what you want me to say. So Lord, I ask you to come and uh, speak through me now, Lord. I love you so much. In thy name, amen. Amen. All right, cool. So in this story, this series we're going through, we're about to jump in to Joseph's story, okay? Now, this is my pitch for small group, if you're not in a small group, um, to maybe head that way, is because we're going to be reading and studying the messages from this series in small group, okay? So you're reading this week, and your message this week will be uh, out of Genesis 37, Joseph's story, all right? So I'm going to give you a snapshot, a picture of that, and then I'm rolling out, Okay? So if you want to continue, if this intrigues you, I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that. Um, we meet in small homes with some cool people, and uh, man, it's just an awesome time of fellowship. So I want to encourage you with that, uh, to move that way. So in this story, we get from uh, these two verses that, jo that Joseph was loved by his father, all right? And he says his father loved him, he gave him this cool robe, and then what happened with his brothers? His brothers hated him. Okay, And so the story goes on that all throughout the story, uh, Joseph knows who his God is. He's affirmed by his father. He's secure in his identity, which is what this series is all about. All right, And so as he goes, we begin to learn that Joseph uh, has stuck situation after stuck situation after stuck situation. And all throughout this story, Joseph never keeps his eyes off of God and who God said he is, and that his father affirmed him. He had a secure identity, which is what helped him get through these stuck seasons, okay? Just to give you a snapshot, his brothers, first of all, plot to kill him, all right? So that's no good, okay? I've got a, a little brother that used to get on my nerves, but, you know, I, I pray he never, like, devised that in his little, you know, room. And, and anyway, there were some nights I felt like he easily would have been justified in doing that. Um, but Joseph's brothers plotted to kill him. Then they sell that sucker into slavery, all right? So imagine your own brother selling you into slavery when you've done nothing wrong. You've simply shared a dream God's given you, 
All right? So after that, he gets sold to this guy named Potiphar. All right? And Potiphar's wife is like, um, it, it, I don't know how to describe her. She's like the 500 BC, uh, like, cougar adulteress. All right? So she's like the, 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 the prowling on the younger men type. All right? And, and she's like, hey, hey, Joseph, you know, husband's out. And Joseph, the Bible says he's a good looking guy. And she's like, hey, come on, you know. And, and, uh, and, and Joseph. Instead of listening to Potiphar's wife, he trusts his identity in God. And Joseph says, no, I'm out. And so Potiphar's wife, he gets angry, okay? And Potiphar's wife tells everyone, he's trying to get with me. Lies, Joseph gets thrown in prison for a crime he didn't do, all right? When he gets in prison, he interprets this dude's dream, okay? And so when he interprets his dream, he's like, hey, man, this is what God's doing. If you'll go to Pharaoh, when he lets you out of here, just don't forget me, okay? Tell him your boy's in prison and your boy ready to get out, all right? And so Cupbearer gets out of prison, goes to Pharaoh, forgets about Joseph, all right? And so think about it. At this point, if you're Joseph, you got to be like, what the heck, man? Like, why am I stuck? Like, why am I in this season? Why are all these things happening to me, right? And I think all of us can agree at some point, we felt like Joseph. We felt like we were in a situation where we just can't get out of it. We're stuck there, okay? And so today, what I want to do is to speak truth into that situation. And what I feel like God really put on my heart to preach is to answer the question, why am I still stuck, okay? If you're taking notes, that's what I'm going to be really talking about the rest of the day. And that's, why am I still stuck, all right? So if you will, turn with me to Psalm chapter 51. We're going to shift gears, and like I said today, I don't know who this is for, uh, but I believe God has put this on my heart with purpose and with a reason. And so I want to kind of maybe spark a little interest and spark a little maybe understanding if you feel stuck today or if you've ever felt stuck in a season, maybe some of these are some of the things we tell ourselves or ask ourselves, something like this, and tell me if you ever felt this way. Deep down, I really don't want to follow God, right? Up underneath it all, I, I really don't want God. Or maybe two is, I could never follow God because I continue to fall into the same old sin, right? I, God could never do anything with me because I fall into this. I fall into the same old sin. Um, maybe some of you have felt this way. I don't feel close to God at all. Like when someone gets up and they begin to say, uh, man, God really spoke to me, you get really insecure because you're like... Because he shut out for me. I ain't, heard, I ain't heard nobody talk, right? You're sitting around waiting on Morgan Freeman to talk to you. And you're like, man, what is, something's different about them than me, right? Maybe you feel stuck. Like, I can't move forward in my relationship with God. And this is the one I love. Um, well, I used to be in church. Then, then, then this happened. And so I've been stuck, not knowing how to kind of find my way back. Or, or maybe it's this story of I grew up in church and I've, I've been there before. And I, just something happened, right? And I kind of, you know, fell my way out and found my way in the world. And, and that's kind of our story. I've been stuck. Or maybe it's this. If I'm really honest with myself, I really just want to sin. But man, dadgummit, I've been around church and God enough that it hurts me, right? So you can't win. It's like, dang, I want to sin, but now I feel bad about it, right? And so, like, I'm stuck. What do I do? Do I sin or do I like become a saint? What's the, what's the deal, right? Can anybody relate with me here? Am I preaching to myself? I hope someone knows the season, right? Amen. And so here we go. Psalm 51, I want to give you a little context, and I'm going to share the story, and then we're going we're to hop all into it, okay? Um, David 
writes this psalm, King David, okay? The, the greatest king Israel's ever known, all right? Um, is, is a faithful king. God has used him in a powerful way. How many of you here were our Faith and Fear series? Y'all remember that? So this is the same dude we've been talking about. He's already slayed Goliath. He's like been 15, killed a lion and a bear. Dude's a stud, okay? And he is now king of Israel. And then David makes a mistake, all right? And I don't mean like telling a white lie mistake. Let me tell you what David did. While his army is out fighting where he probably should have been, right? Have you ever learned that the best leaders a lot of times ain't afraid to get in front and lead the way? Have y'all realized that? So David probably should have been on the battlefield, but David is back, okay? And then he sees this lady, okay? And I mean, she's a pretty lady. You got me? And her name's Bathsheba, all right? And David was filled with the lust of his eyes, and he began to think about Bathsheba, and see, the problem with this situation was Bathsheba was married to one of David's best friends and best soldiers, okay? We see the problem come, right? And so David makes an extremely poor choice. He sleeps with Bathsheba, and then once he realizes there's no, there's no way out, all right? I want you to understand this, okay? Um, David sends Uriah out to the front lines. This is uh, her, his wife, okay? I'm sorry, her, her husband, she sends Uriah out to the front line, sends him out to the battlefield to be killed. So here we go, all in one move, check this out. Uh, David commits adultery, all right, and that's kind of the, the lead off, and then he closes the door by sending her husband out to the battlefield to be killed, all right? Guys, that's some rough sin, wouldn't you guys agree? And so what happens from here is that David makes a mistake, okay? David has hurt the heart of God. David has sinned, and David goes a whole year. Check this out, and I, I believe the Bible says more than a year. David goes a long period of time, and he don't own up to it. You guys feel me? He, he has failed attempts to cover up his sin, to cover up what he's done. He has failed attempts to try and say, God, I, 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 because I'm king of Israel, surely I'm just going to be okay. Look at all the good things I have done. And for a long time, David doesn't own up to what he's done, until finally, uh, a brother named Nathan comes to him and he says, David, it's time to come clean, okay? It's time to come clean. And in that moment, David looks into the sin that, he, that he's been running from for so long, and he's been stuck for so long, and he finally turns and he looks at it, and he looks it in the face, okay? He looks it in the face, and then this psalm is what he writes. This is his lament, his psalm of repentance. So imagine being shut out from God, feeling like you can't talk to him, living in sin, um, uh, walking around with the guilt and the shame of not only adultery, but the guilt and the shame of murder, right? And so this is the first time he really faces God, and we're going to read these 19 verses, and I want to share why I believe we stay stuck. Verse 1. It says this, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Verse 4, it says, Against you and you only have I sinned. He owns it. Hear that. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. It says, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. 
Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, hear this, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in the burnt, in burnt offerings uh, offered whole. Then the bulls will be offered on your altar. So when I read that and I think about, surely, 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 adulterer, murderer, like God could never restore this person, right? Too far gone, broken, could never be used for God. All right. Imagine in this one-year period, David knowing he's the anointed king of God, that the God of the universe, the one that put the sun, the moon, the stars, put everything in the being, spoke to David and said, I'm going to make you king. Right? And that he had the favor of God on him. He knew his identity was in God. He had watched God defeat a giant for him. He had watched God defeat a lion and a bear. He had watched God protect him against a king that was trying to kill him. All right? And so then against that God who's been so faithful to them, he sins against, right? How many of you would feel banished from God's presence, that I could never be used again? I'm done. I'm through, right? This is the year, or the year and a half, or however long it was in David's life, he was stuck. Just like many of us, when we go through seasons where I'm done, God could never use me. I'm done. I keep messing up. I can't stop. Uh, God could never do anything with me, Right? And we all go through these seasons where we feel stuck. I'm not worthy to go back to church. I'm not worthy to be in a small group. I'm not worthy. I cannot go. I cannot go. I cannot go. And I want to tell you something. It's a lie from the enemy. Let's talk about why we feel that way. Number one, if you're taking notes, I believe one of the reasons that we stay stuck is we don't own our sin. Hear that again. We don't own our sin. Um, I talked about baseball. I don't know why baseball has been on my mind lately. But... um, in baseball, I want, to, I want to tell you something about ourselves. The reality of it is, um, is that we love to see the best in ourselves. Wouldn't y'all agree? Like if I go to the ball field, and let's just say I have a good day at the plate, and, uh, and I go three for four, two doubles, and a home, right? Like that is a great day, okay? But on that fourth at bat, I struck out, right? Now how likely are you to go up to a friend and say, hey, how'd it go at the game today? I struck out once, right? No. What do we want? We love for people to see the best in us. We want people to see the best in us and that we have a tendency, instead of owning our sin and our mistakes, what we do is we have the tendency to overlook our mistakes. Wouldn't you agree? That we have the tendency um, to, just, to just overlook it. That we don't deal with sin. And I want to tell you something. I believe uh, a lot of the reason we don't own our sin is that we don't truly understand sin. Hear that again, okay? Because we think sin is just bad things we do. Wouldn't you agree? Sin is much deeper than that. Sin is who we are. Sin is what has separated us from God. It's much deeper than that. How many of you were here week one of the series? You remember talking about the Garden of Eden? Remember talking about a perfect identity? 
I want you to see sin as this. As we were, that first week, we were talking about perfect identity here in perfect harmony with God. When sin came into the world, that's what grabbed us and stole our identity away. All right? That when sin came into the garden, it's now who we are, not just things we do. Hear that again. It is who we are, not just things we do. Check this out in verse number, um, number 7, I believe. Let me take a second. Verse number 5, if you could put that up on the screen. Listen to David. He doesn't just call his sin out with adultery and everything else. He says this. He says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Many of you may think that your sin, like you started choosing it, and then I became unrighteous before God. Let me tell you something. You came into the world good at it, my friend, right? Hey, man, didn't get mama's milk. Your boy going to throw a fit. You feel me? Right? I've got a three-year-old, continues to do this, not with mom's milk, but with other stuff, right? I'm not, anyway, I'm not going to comment. Where does this stuff come from, man? All right. Uh, so one, we, we don't own our sin. I want to tell you something, is that sin, you have to see it as something we will always fight. You will not overcome sin. I want you to hear this again. Um, on our own, it is something that we will be at war with, okay? I pray that God lets me preach. I love, I love doing this. I pray that I get to be like 110, all right, with my, with my tooth saw missing and just up here letting it roll, all right? But here's the deal. On that 109th birthday, I'm going to fight sin as hard as I did in the womb. You hear me? I'm going to be fighting sin. I want to tell you something. It's much, much deeper than what you realize, okay? I believe we don't own our sin because we love to compare sin with others. Hear that again. I believe that instead of looking at us, we have much more of a tendency to cover up the sin in us and to overlook and become numb to the sin in us to look and compare it to the sins of others in the world. Wouldn't you guys agree? That instead of looking at the places where we are falling short of God's glory, where we're falling short of the commands of God, it's much, much easier to say, well, check out the, the Channel 11 news, you know? Check out what they're doing. Check out what he's doing. At least I'm not like this person at work, right? Or at least I'm not like this, or at least I don't do this, or at least I've never done, okay? And then we begin to feel like, well, God's okay with my sin, but man, that sin right there, that's a, that's a, that ain't a good dude right there. That ain't a good lady right there. But the reality of it is, is that sin what puts us all in a category and that we stay here and the only hope we have to leave is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so it becomes much more about not knowing whether we have sin or not, but rather being more open and transparent about our sin and beginning to bring it at the foot of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So really, if I could uh, really sum this up and to say this, um, is that God knows our sin, Okay? And that sin must hurt us because we know that sin hurts the heart of God. Okay? The scariest places I've ever been in my life is when I've become numb to sin. You know what I mean? When I'm just okay with it. All right? When I'm just okay with not, not with doing these things that I know in my heart because I've, I've met Jesus and I know what he's done for me and I just become okay with it. That's a scary place. Okay? Dallas said a quote I loved in week one. He said, 
When, when we think about sin in us, we do one of two things. We either kill sin or it starts killing us. Amen? And so it looks like this. Not only has sin separated us from our Father, from our Heavenly Father, and it's something we always fight, but when we don't deal with sin in us, it's, it's like eating us from the inside out. Does that make sense? And then a lot of times, wouldn't you agree that we look at sin and think, man, I'm, God has disappointed in me again, right? Like it's not messing with me, but it's disappointing Him. And when what's happening, it's a, it's a lie from the enemy because what's happened is it's eating us from the inside. And some of us, if we've reaped the fruits of sin, that's not a far stretch like we understand that, right? Wouldn't you agree? That sin almost destroyed my marriage. Sin almost destroyed uh, the plan and the plan and the, the provision God had for me, right? But we have to see sin that way. We have to own it. The second thing is this, and this is just as important. And, and before I move on, I, I want to ask something. Um, I want, to, I want you guys to take this with you. Have I ever been broken about my sin? I want you to just take that with you. Have I ever been broken about my sin? David says this in verse number 9. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. In verse 8, it says this, and I know I'm skipping all around. It says, let me hear the joy and the gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice and that David had finally owned his sin. And look how he describes it. It had hurt him so badly it said, my bones feel crushed. Right? Not only did he know it was hurting the heart of God, but he realized how bad it had been hurting him for a whole year of being stuck. Right? God doesn't want that for you. You hear me? God's a good father and he wants to free you of that stuck season. I want to go ahead and put that on record. I know that that is true because that's who our God is. That's who the Bible says he is. Okay? Amen. The, the, the second thing is this. I would like uh, for you to know why, answering that question, why? Why do I feel stuck? How can I come out of this stuck season? Okay? I believe one of the reasons we stay stuck is we try and work off our sin. Hear that again. We try and work off our sin. I, I, can, I can identify with this one so much, right? Think about it. During the week, how many of you guys... Uh, know that, man, I, I'm going to come to church this Sunday because, boy, howdy, y'all don't know what I've done this week. Y'all got me? You feel me? And so uh, what happens is, is that we, we come to church and we come to religious activity because of our sin in hopes and prayers that by us doing church things that maybe God will begin to um, say, man, I'm not quite as disappointed in you, Right? And that the things we do for God are, are the, to cover up what we feel like, how we've hurt the heart of God. Would you guys agree? And so I want you to look at verse 16 real quick. It says this. And this is, this is David talking, okay? So he's, he's confessed his sin. He's been honest with his sin. And he, and, he, and he gives this statement. It's profound. It says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Now verse 17. It says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Essentially what he's saying is this, is that when we feel stuck and we feel like we're in the, the deepest of darkest of places, I want to tell you, God's not calling you to, to work your way out on, its, on, on your own. Does that make sense? And that he doesn't want more activity from you. What he wants to do is this, and this is the craziest thing. When we get that sin and we recognize it, he wants us to come to him directly with our sin. 
exactly as we are. Remember I talked about last week, one of the most freeing things and the greatest indicator of where we are in our identity is not what happens here, but rather also what happens when you know it's just you and God. Amen? And that's a great indicator of kind of where we are. And that those are in the times when God wants to speak truth into our life, but we have to be alone with them and to give them our sin. And to believe that God is big enough, that he can see you in your sin, and that if we'll be honest and give it to him, that he can take it from us. Amen? And that's what repentance looks like. Okay? Another reason I believe we stay stuck is we don't understand repentance. Okay? And what repentance is, is this. It's not just telling God, I'm sorry for sin, but it's honestly bringing it before God and saying, God, I need you, right? And it's saying, God, here is my sin. God, I own it. God, I know I'm, I'm wrong. God, I know I need you. I'm giving it to you. God, take it from me. And Lord, I'm repenting. I'm turning of it. I'm turning back to you. Amen? Amen? And at that moment, that's when healing's coming. You want to know the cool part about this story? You know, God restored David. God brought David back, and David lived his life faithfully. God continued to use David. How awesome is that? Right? And so David is mapping it out for us as, man, you, you may be going through the, the season where you feel like you've been in the jail cell. You may be going through the season where you feel like God has just been silent. You may be going through the season where I, I cannot overcome this sin. You may be going through the season where I, I am just too hardened to really be broken before God and, and give my life to God. But I want to tell you something. God knows you exactly where you're at, and he wants to meet you exactly where you're at. Amen? And that's what I love about our God. If I could be honest... Friday morning, I woke up. I didn't have the sermon written down, <laughs> and it happens too much. I'm, I'm kind of a neat freak, and no, I take that back. That's a lie, too. Um, I, uh, I'm kind of a, uh, when it comes to the preaching and, and, and messages, I like to be about two or three weeks out, you know, and kind of craft this beautiful little thing, you know, and man, I'm going to hit, I'm going to nail this point, you know, and I'm going to kill it, and that kind of thing, and, and and what God continues to do is I get closer. He, like, speaks into my heart, and he's like, all right, that good idea you had, trash that sucker. All right, and so Friday morning I woke up, and man, it was the it was the most re relieving time I've had with God in a long time. Because there were some things in my heart I had not been honest about. That while I'm preaching about overlooking things, there were some things deep down that that I had not I had not given before God. Y'all want to tell you something? At, at 5:45 in the morning, Friday morning, man, it was awesome. And that God began to take things from me that I've been holding on to. And things with, with uh, just, just stuff that I was like, man, God, I, 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 I can't believe that. I am so, I, God, I am so sorry. And, and here I am. God, restore me back. Give me the joy of, of what I love to do. And, y'all, what I love to do is this. I love to share the word of God, and I love to see you every week. And, and man, I just continue to pray that God's going to keep doing what he's been doing here. And that's bringing people close to himself and forgiving sinners and continuing to, to help people find hope and to be honest about their sin and bring it before God. And I want to tell you today, my prayer is this. I pray that that experience is yours today. And maybe if you've been in a stuck season, I want you to know that Jesus has the final word. Jesus is still writing. And the third thing I want to leave you with is this, is God's working while we feel stuck. Hear this again. God's working while we feel stuck. And I really do feel like God let me go through this season because I was supposed to share it with you, right? It's kind of the tough but frustrating thing is um, to go through trial, you get to help, pe help preach the people that are going through trial. Amen? And so I'm grateful for that calling. 
And I'm grateful for the tough seasons. And so God's working while we're stuck. And I'm learning this more and more. And I want to just encourage you with this. And you might want to take some of this with you. As I believe we have a skewed view of our perspective of God, right? That we put God in little boxes that he doesn't really exist in because God created all of the boxes. Amen? It says this, I believe in the midst of the struggle, God is working the most. Hear that again. In the midst of the struggle, God is working the most. If we could put Romans 5 on the screen real quickly. You don't have to flip there. I'd rather just read with you. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Just so you know, I don't make this stuff up. That it, We're preaching from the Bible. And if we don't do that, y'all need to run, okay? Um, we're going to preach the Word of God. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. It says, not only so, so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, all right? So the, the stuck seasons, it says God is doing something with us. It says perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so many times we're so focused on our stuck season that if I could say it like this, if you've ever trusted Jesus as Lord and you've given God the pen, we're so focused on this one line he's writing that we don't take the time and zoom out and think about the book he's writing for us. Amen? That a lot of times that it's in the seasons that we feel stuck, that he's growing us into who he wants us to be. And then guess what? He uses our stuck seasons to teach others. You hear that again? Hear that one more time. He uses our stuck seasons to begin to help others. I heard a, a preacher say the other day, it, it impacted me greatly, it says... When God saves people, it's not just for one person. He saves people to make an impact. You hear that again? And that God begins to use our story and our stuck seasons to impact the people in us and around us. You hear that? And so check this out. I, I want you to look back at verse 13, Psalm 51, verse 13. This is, this is so cool to me. It says... David's talking, he says, then, if you'll restore me, God, God, if, here's my sin, if you'll bring me back, God, if you'll take my sin from me, if, if, if you'll take my sin, listen what I'll do. It says, then, I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Now, I've got a, a thought I was thinking on this week, and I, I want you guys to, to really think about this, is who, who's going to be the best at teaching sinners, Right? Who's going to be the best and be able to teach others that are struggling with addiction, right? How many, of, how many of those that are going to struggle with those that battle lust, who's going to be the best teachers, right? It's going to be those that God's rescued out of those situations. People that finally brought that sin before God and said, God, here it is, now use me. You hear me? And isn't that awesome? And that God's creating testimony in all of us. That he is developing and cultivating us for his glory. And that the things we feel like we've got to hide from people, God's finally getting, he's wanting us to go ahead and get it out so we can give it to people. Amen? And so that we can begin to see transformation. We can begin to see people be freed of the things that are holding them back. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so when David finally lets it go, God restores them. Right? So many times we just focus on the stuck season, but right now what God's doing in the stuck season is He's preparing you. Think about it. Paul prepared for 17 years for ministry. Joshua and Caleb waited 40 years to go into the promised land. Jesus laid in the grave for three days before He could go and be the proven resurrection, worthy of our salvation, good to save, mighty to overcome sin and death in the grave. See, Jesus didn't stay stuck. 
He rose out of the grave. And I want to give you great courage right now. Whatever season you're in, okay? Whatever season you're in. Know that if we are in Christ, if we've had that experience where we have had the joy of salvation, God is always at work in you. Always. He is doing something in you and through you all the time. Amen? Now, isn't that good news? And I just believe someone needs to hear that today. That God is doing something in you and through you. So let me tell you something. If you know you've had that experience with Christ, that he's truly been good to you, he hasn't been religious work or chains, if you've truly had that experience, do not let the stuck season attack who you are in Christ. You hear me? You may be in the middle of the jail cell, but if God ever spoke it into you, understand what God speaks in the light is just as true when it feels dark. And now today, I want to share that maybe today, man, you've come in this church and it's like, golly, it's like rock concert followed by the short guy that preaches real, real fast, right? Maybe it's your first time in church for a while and there's something going on and you're like, man, I don't know what this is, but, but man, like something's happening right now. I want to read verse 17 to you real quick. It says this. It says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Understand something. Every relationship with God starts here. Starts with a broken and contrite heart. It starts with finally coming before God and saying, God, I've been trying to work at it. Or God, I've just been choosing sin. God, I've been stuck. Maybe some of you have been coming here and you've been so close to finally getting saved and and saying, God, here I am, do something with me. And and it's like you're stuck. You keep running back to sin, but God keeps calling and he keeps drawing and he keeps doing what he's doing. And you're like, man, what is he? Why is he continuing to do this? I want to tell you why. Because he loves you and he wants to restore you and he wants to give you the joy of salvation. Amen? Amen. And so here at our church, something that we do is we celebrate this. When people come to know, I know uh, I've been in places before where it's kind of awkward when people give their life to Christ and it's like, uh, but here we celebrate like crazy, man. And I just want to tell you, if, the, if God's doing that with you, we, we want to celebrate with you, all right? And I want to make sure I extend that invitation today that if a broken and contrite heart is kind of where God finds you, I want to tell you that's where Jesus is ready to meet you, amen? So if that's you today and you would like to trust Jesus for the first time and say, God, I'm done with sin God, I choose you. Do something in me I can't do in myself. I'm just going to ask, would you raise your hand? Is that anyone here today? Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And so the ice is broken. I've seen this before at our services. A lot of times it, it just takes someone cracking the ice. Is there anyone else that, uh, that feels like today is the day? And uh, we just want to celebrate, man. We're excited about that. Amen. Right here. Thank you. Praise God. Two more. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Is there anyone else? And what they're doing, we're just going to go pray with you and give you some resources to help get you started. Um, is, there, is there anyone else? We'll give it a second. Awesome. Man, this is awesome, isn't it? Isn't it cool to see God working and doing what he does? And I love that, that he's faithful, man. He is who he says he is. So I just want to pray a word of encouragement over you today that I love you more than you could ever know. I'm so excited about what God's doing in and through our church. And uh, I, I just can't wait to see what he's going to do with your life. And that when we finally put the pen down and let God start writing, 
we're going to begin to watch him write a better story. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for how good you are. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to save. God, I, I just love you so much. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach the word of God, to preach the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to multiply it, God, that we would see many come to know Jesus. But God, more so than that, God, I, I just pray that those that do know Christ, God, that you would help them use their stories for your purposes. God, that we, you want to take our sin and turn it into a better story. Lord, we thank you for that. And uh, Lord, I just pray blessing, honor, and glory to you and favor over your people. Lord, we love you so much. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen.